Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name is Alexi. And I'm Sam. Joining us uh, today are Molly Mobley. She's the lead talent buyer at The Empty Bottle. And Brent Heil, who's the talent buyer also for The Empty Bottle and Talia Hall. He's also a partner for Empty Bottle Presents. They put on some pretty kick-ass festivals around Chicago. They're really kick-ass. They are really kick-ass. And we're going to talk about a number of different things, as one would predict, uh, about the music industry. We're going to talk about... Um, how the music industry is changing and adapting as a result of uh, COVID-19. We're going to talk about revenue streams, uh, Civil and Neva, and all these initiatives out there to save independent venues. And we're going to drink a beer that you're never going to drink. Dude, we're going to get real deep and we're going to get heavy. Let's do it. Um, would you two like to kind of introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you uh, normally do on a day-to-day basis or what you do on a day-to-day basis nowadays? Oh, gosh. I don't even know nowadays. Um, so like you said, I am the lead talent buyer for MD Bottle. Um, I have been there since August, so I'm still pretty new. Uh, if you minus COVID months, I'm definitely still new. <laughs> um I kind of came to Empty Bottle from uh, the agency side. I was working with agents and helping book tours and stuff like that and just kind of realized I wanted to be more locally based and kind of work within the scene in the community that I lived in. Um, so I took the pivot. Uh, back in normal times, days would just start with, you know, getting to the venue at like 1030, just answering emails all day, pounding it out probably getting up at like 7, 7.30, going home, walking my dog, coming back, seeing a show, paying a band, going to sleep, rinse and repeat. <laughs> so that's about <laughs> it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Brett Heil. Uh, I, I've been with Empty Bottle in some capacity now for um, about 10 years and been working with the owner of Empty Bottle, Bruce, uh, for about two years. Beyond that, I uh, came here from Arizona about 14 years ago and started with these started working in radio, uh, worked at Thrill Jockey for a little bit, um, and then got started with the Empty Bottle folks via Sonotech, which is a club that later became Beauty Bar. Um, from Beauty Bar, um, I left there and started with Empty Bottle Presents and have been in the position I'm in now for the last eight years or so. Um, and yeah, Thalia Hall um, for the last, since it, since it opened, which I guess we're coming up on seven years now. Um, but yeah, my, my day-to-day is pretty pretty similar to Molly's. Um, the Empty Bottle Presents stuff, for those who don't know, is it's anything that we do that inc- that happens outside of a building that isn't our own venue. Um, so, you know, we do uh, like the Cemetery Series, uh, Beyond the Gate. We do stuff at Garfield Park Conservatory. Uh, we have a series at the Surgical Science Museum, stuff with the Art Institute. Um, so just trying to find unique unique places for um, bands who want to do something different than just play at a standard uh, rock venue. Um, so part of my day is, you know, looking and going on walkthroughs of, of spaces and talking to people about whether or not we can uh, do shows there. And yeah, outside of that, just uh, booking shows and going to shows, trying not to freak out. But yeah, these days, these days, it's a little weird. These days are just canceling shows. Yeah, (laughs) we're not coming. Cool. Great. I just want to mention real quick that there's no part of me that is surprised that you worked in radio because you have the perfect. I was going to make the comment. I was like, of course you did. (laughs) It's just that rich full town right there. It was funny when, when, uh, when COVID started happening, I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking into this voiceover stuff because, uh, music industry is going down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) And radio and podcasting is definitely, uh, Something everyone's doing. Everyone's looking for a new friend, and podcasts are perfect for that. That's true. I live alone, and I find that during this, I listen to so many more podcasts. I listen to to so many more podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what I do when I wander aimlessly for hours, like I was telling you about earlier. Getting your your tan. (laughs) Getting my tan. Getting the tan. You know when COVID's gotten really bad, though, when you're, like, making dinner for yourself and you're, like, talking it through, like, you're a Bon Appetit editor on one of the videos? Like, I got to a point where I was like, I need to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) What what goes into finding, uh, just to kind of jump on to the aspect of, 
uh, Empty Bottle Presents and finding uh, unique spaces that are outside of like the venue. So I think that's a very uh, a unique and interesting thing about what uh, what you do and what the Empty Bottle kind of offers in a larger in a larger manner. What are some of the things that you uh, you look for in a space, or uh, is it sometimes you have a a uh, certain artist or a certain scenario in mind is it uh, a matter of that fitting a venue or is it the venue and then you pick the artist around it or does it both it, it goes both ways um lately i've been more into finding unique spaces that um are aesthetically pleasing and also that we can have frequent access to to kind of plug people in um and usually with the it's a it's i try to find spots that people might not have been to or might not be aware of um, for instance like the surgical science museum i had never i had never known that there was a museum dedicated to s surgical science and when i went there it's it's wild it's you know there's like marble everywhere there's these crazy oversized statues in a room that's way too small for them feels great there's you know all these old surgery things around and when we went there they were surprisingly open to the idea. And it was very much um, like we're going to, we can program these interesting artists that are kind of pushing the boundaries of experimental music and bring a new audience to your museum who would probably be people who are psyched to be here. And so a lot of those relationships are based on that of what, what can we do to make your space more exciting or um, bring it to new folks? Um, you know, cemetery for instance that was um a, a, a pretty fun way how that came about um, i can go into it if you yeah okay word <laughs> um, i just like the idea of bringing a cemetery to new folks yeah. <laughs> and having I a very well I mean, you know, you, they they're very well attended shows really? too. Yeah. They, they don't get much advertising you know like like it, it helps in uh, case you've never been to a cemetery. I've honestly had a few people be like, yeah, man, I, I'd be buried here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the I'm spot. going to the office on Monday. <laughs> I want to get buried where I saw Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Bury me with Earth. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, sh I should mention for, and this is something I like to clarify often when I'm talking about the cemetery stuff, is that we're not doing shows on on graves you know there, there there's a there's a large grass opening and we're really respectful of the zone and we have security that's kind of like on the perimeter and we really people are so nice about being there and really respectful and they they don't go roaming in there but regardless that came about uh, from uh, Reckmeister Harmonies J.R. Robinson who used to live here uh, we did a show with him you know that movie Beyond the Black Rainbow um, it's the same guy who made Mandy um, it's great. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a little, little bit of a slow burner, but it looks visually, it's amazing. It's got a rad like synth based soundtrack and he had wanted to do a live version of that soundtrack to the film. And so we set that up for him at Logan theater and I was talking to him and he had wanted to do, um, he's like, Oh, I hang out at this cemetery up on the North side of Chicago. I'm like, very sick. He's like, I really want to do a show there, but it's really overwhelming. And to, you know, think about the production elements, I was like, I got you, like, let's do it. And so that's why you notice if the first, the first chunk of the shows, Wreckmeister Harmonies is involved, because it was a series that we were doing in conjunction with him, and he and I would collaborate in the lineup. He eventually moved to, um, uh, I believe, Portland, or no, just the Pacific Northwest, and uh, he was nice enough to let us continue the series. Um, but through that relationship, you know, we got to, the cemetery folks were so stoked and really open to the idea and they knew that we were going to be respectful of it and the music we program is really heady and it's not so much i'm going to go get ripped at this fucking cemetery it's more so i'm going to sit back and like zone out and just kind of like really take in life you know like it's it's they're they're great they're some of my favorite events of the year you know we only do them on um a saturday on a full moon or a saturday that's closest to a full moon on the solstice of the equinox um, <laughs> so who's it's the very, one who's figuring that out every year yeah that's me it, it's, uh, it sucks <laughs> but it's, it's really funny because every every time they're like inevitably somebody comes up and like man so rad that there's a full moon tonight i'm like i know it's, it's fucking dope it's like it's almost like we planned it yeah 
Yeah, having been to one of those and seeing Earth, uh, it was very interesting because I think when you go to a lot of uh, cemeteries in Central and Northern Europe especially, there is a pretty strong like public function to cemeteries as outdoor spaces because mm-hmm. in some of these places, in some of these cities, there aren't like massive, huge outdoor areas. And so mm-hmm. there is a component to those spaces of... Uh, a public green space where people can go sit and hang out and uh, you know, do whatever in a respectful manner. And so I thought that uh, um, that there was an interesting kind of connection there that I observed. And that that was something that we, Jay and our, Jay and I would talk about is that that you know that that for sure is that used to be the function or, or part of the function of cemeteries is a place for people to have like picnics. And it wasn't it wasn't so like dark to go it wasn't like oh shit you're going to the cemetery it's it's more like oh this is like a beautiful space and you kind of reflect on things and have a little picnic and we're trying to kind of bring that vibe back that it's not so spooky and terrifying it's more so like this is life and this is a re, you know a reflection a reflection of that you know mm-hmm. absolutely i thought it was very well executed and uh you were also able to work with half acre on some beverages for that too right yeah the half acre has been the shit they're, they've always been a great partner with it. They got it from day one. Um, they were, because you know, it was hard um, for us to, to grapple around the idea of a sponsor for a series like that because it is such a sensitive thing and we wanted to not, we wanted to make sure we didn't mess it up. And in that, we're like, well, we're not going to have huge banners. We're not, you're not going to have your typical sponsor stuff. Like, we're going we're gonna to serve the beer and we'll promote the beer, but it's not... Beyond that, it's going to be just the show in the cemetery, and they're like, totally, like, let's let's do it. And they've been an excellent partner the whole. I mean, we've been doing that series for seven years now. Let's uh, let's open up the conversation a little bit and talk about the or address kind of the elephant in the room, and that is the current uh, COVID climate, how this is impacting the uh, uh, the music industry. So, what are uh, some of the things that uh, Empty Bottle and mm-hmm. Empty Bottle Presents have, uh, have done some things that um, that actually I've been fortunate to be a part of uh, and that I've seen are things like uh, music-friendly distancing. You've had uh, Bruce Lamont, for example, and Brian Case performing uh, on top of the Empty Bottle. Tell, me, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we started music-friendly distancing um, a couple months ago with just the intention of being able to promote a tip jar for both the venue um, for startup costs. Uh, I mean, Empty Bottle's a room that has shows every single night of the year. There's maybe four or five days where it doesn't have shows. So if you think of at first it was, we thought it was two weeks and then maybe another two weeks and then being two months in, like we're, we're hurting. A lot of venues are. Um, And so we decided that we wanted to do some online content, but we wanted it to be something that we felt looked good, that was a product that we were proud to put out with the empty bottle name on it. So we kind of took our time. We decided that uh, we would do live recordings of bands. We've we've definitely offered other spaces in the bottle, but I think when people hear the rooftop, they're like, the rooftop. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're like, it's not that easy to get <laughs> especially with your stuff. Um, yeah, there's like a sketchy ladder. Yeah, it's really, (laughs) I'm terrified of going up there. Like, I will only go up there and film if, like, nobody else will do it. Because I'm just like, I don't like heights. That ladder's so scary. I cannot imagine packing up a drum up it. But, uh... Yeah, we had to take a measurement of the of the hole to see, like for instance, like like Helen Money, like yeah, we were like, like can you get your cello up here? Like, like what is what is the size of your cello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we've had Mute Duo do one, and uh, Sky the Row brought up his you know drum kit. And I mean, he doesn't have a huge kick drum or anything like that, but he started playing on the roof and just feeling it kind of moving. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we are kind of in the moment, like in this moment, we're kind of repackaging what music friendly distancing is looking like. Um, we're going to switch it over to being like, a just on Fridays, a kind of longer broadcast that will encompass, um, sort of the things that we were doing, which included asking members of the community and people from bands if they wanted to make a playlist and doing a short interview on zoom, just to like talk about things. Um, and kind of just see, you know, where their head's at or what, what's been like for their band and stuff like that. A lot of people we've interviewed had albums that were, they were planning their record releases. They were happening in March, April or May or even June. And so it's been kind of interesting to uh, touch base with bands whose record has come out during this time and what it's been like to like not really be able to go out on the road and promote it. 
um, as well as people in the community like you who we work with at Empty Bottle, just kind of seeing like where your head's at with things. And also we're going to continue the live sets and probably just uh, fill it out a bit more with uh, some programming. But yeah, so that's something that we have been doing. Um, we're taking a break right now because uh, Brent can talk about some of the stuff that he's going to have coming up on the on the next couple weekends. So we'll be back in like mid-June with some more flushed out music-friendly distancing programming. Yeah. Yeah, where the the couple weekends are coming. Well, I guess this would probably broadcast after that. But oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like uh, we're we're doing because of COVID, we're having to take we 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 program a stage at Do Division West Fest every year um, via Empty Bottle Presents, and those aren't happening. Uh, but they are going to be happening online, um, or will they will have happened online? And um, yes, yeah, so those those will be happening. But we'll we'll be back to this new format of music. Music friendly distancing. <laughs> we have too many MFDs in it's, our like. It's so hard to keep track of. Yeah. Music friendly <laughs> dancing. Music friendly dancing. <laughs> yeah. How? Uh, so obviously, we're not having people in the venue, so we're finding new ways of getting people in. Yeah. In having the empty bottle be or empty bottle presents being some type of conduit yeah. for getting people. In front of uh, in front of performers in some way, and I can I can definitely think that it it's it's been hard and it's been difficult to kind of be reduced to this online persona of who we are, and it's just you know trying to to do these really like empty bottle things, but having kind of this small 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 part of the internet to try to make that happen on has been difficult. But I think that I'm really proud of the stuff that we've put out, and I'm really proud of what Shannon's done in the past couple of months of keeping people engaged, keeping people um, into our GoFundMe, into our PayPal, and stuff like that. It's been really nice to see. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of. I mean, the GoFundMe went great. We we when we first came out, our first priority was the staff, and you know, we we did this GoFundMe, and it, it got funded, and it was yeah, it was awesome seeing the support from folks um, come out. But yeah, as as far as streaming, it's. I feel like we've done a, a, a great job with the resources we have available, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like all of us are in it more for the show and bringing people together and creating community and, and having this experience. Like going to a show is not just watching the band, it's seeing your friends, like bullshitting with folks and like just the whole thing in it. And yes, this is a nice option to satiate, but like, I mean, shit, if this is going on for months and months, it, it's, it's hard to, it just, it just becomes hard to stay motivated to, Definitely. Keep putting out this this content when that you're like I just wish this was a show. Yeah, I, I right. like I wish to, I that this was a show. show. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. for a place like the Bottle, there's so much feeling there, and it's it is a community. Yeah. It's a community center, and it's a absolutely hub of the neighborhood, and so definitely. I mean, we just recently did a donation drive for two weeks, kind of um, reallocating goods across the Chicago to the south and west sides, and I mean. I feel like that that drive just kicked ass because people wanted a reason to come in and see like the few members of the staff who were there just to like see the empty bottle and everybody who came in was like, thank you so much for doing this. We miss you guys. And it's like, yeah, we, we are a, a member of the community. We're an important part of the community. And it's important to also show up for the community when the community needs you most. So I was really proud of like the staff on coming together on that and getting it organized. Yeah. And, you know, empty bottle. <clears throat> some people might not realize that we, we are, we're also a bar, you know, like we're, we're open when we're not having shows, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do brunch in there and, and you can come to the bottle at 5 PM when you know yeah. there, there's no show happening. So if it's much more so than just like, Oh, if we don't have a show, we're not open. Like we're always, we're always open. Yeah. Always around. How, uh, how do you think uh, performances or how people kind of are consuming live media is going to uh, change in some way. I it, it's it's hard to tell. I I I don't think that live streaming will ever take the place of, a, of a live show. Um, I I do think there's going to be a window of time where things are going to open back up, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of folks that are rightfully hesitant. And we'll be like, okay, I still want to support these bands that I that I love, and I'll will still like pay or donate to to see these streams. But I I think there's going to be this strange time of like really small audience shows that are still streamed online, and there'll be like a separation of folks that are going to shows and people that are staying at home and watching them online. I but I you know beyond that, as far as the future of streaming, I I think that there might 
there's potential for there to be almost like a like a Sims version of going to shows and festivals, which <laughs> I think some people are already doing where you yeah. develop this avatar and you have a group of friends where you have your own little room chat and you go to these different rooms with each other digitally and watch these performances. Um, like what is that? There's that. There's Madison Square something that like 100 Gex was doing and like Charlie was on it. And then, oh, really? Yeah, they did one. I think it was in, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, some video game Fortnite maybe. Maybe oh, it was like yeah. World of Warcraft or something like that. But yeah. There's also that, there's a there's an organization out of LA that band um, that was members of Sextile were on it. I think they're called S Product. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the people who produce it, but... It was their presentation was wild. It was this really um, over the top digital, like immersive show, and it kind of was like, okay, that's that's maybe what could get someone like me, who's like a luddite, like I'm just like, oh fuck all this shit, but like, uh, but I want to still see shows, and maybe maybe if it was if it was something that's beyond what we already have, then it. I think there's something there and I feel like if we are, if there is going to be an extended lockdown or if people are going to be really hesitant to, to go in public places, that that's got to be the future of trying to create something that's past what we're already doing. Like a person sitting in their room playing guitar is it, so, it, 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 <laughs> I'm so it's, tired. It's, it, you know, you, you can only watch that so many times. Like it, it kind of becomes dull. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that might, that might be the future. It could be. It could be interesting. Yeah, well, I definitely agree that I, I, I don't think in the, until there's a vaccine that people, the mass of people, especially people who actively go and see shows, who are kind of you know in this more liberal space in the arts communities and stuff like that, are gonna be willing to go. Um, I do think that there will be. I, I agree with Brent. There's gonna be the supplemental time with things like that. I don't know if I would ever do one of those more than once though. Like I'd be like, okay, I got it. <laughs> That's just right. Fun. And it would ha- it would have for me. It would have to be a lot of artists that I've never that I I've wanted to see that don't, I don't have access to that I have other fr- that happen to be um, artists that my other friends might be really stoked on, mm-hmm. and I could see doing it. Yeah, once or twice, but yeah, it's just so. I don't know. I, I, I just, I maybe because I'm old. Like I don't know. I don't have that mindset of like going, yeah. going in. Like that, that's not seeing a show to me. Yeah, I definitely think that there was like when this all started, there was just this small faction of people who were like, live streaming is just going to replace shows. And I was like, there's that could never happen. Like people, it's an experience. You're not like Brent said. You're not just buying a ticket to see a show. You're going to see your friends at this bar that's right around the street from you. Like you know. I don't foresee streaming ever, ever, ever replacing it. And I think especially now that we're, what, like almost four months into this, like how badly do you want to go to a show, you know? So I think that when things, when a vaccine is available, things will probably normalize, at least in our world, kind of quick if bands can book tours. I mean, that's obviously going to be hard because I think that different parts of the country will be in different places with this. Um, So touring nationally is going to be something that's difficult for a while, I would assume, but I definitely don't ever foresee streams being like the what our careers ultimately end up being p- if, pushed if to. Are, if they are, I'm getting. I'm, yeah, I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that um, a lot of that also comes down to the experience that people have in specific places too. So mm-hmm. things like Beyond the Gate, things like Music Frozen Dancing, mm-hmm. things like places like the Empty Bottle or Talia Hall that yeah. are uh, highly non ubiquitous experiences. Those are like things that you look forward to the venue sometimes as much as the actual show. Yeah. And that's what's going to bring people back quicker in the Definitely. sense of community as well. Yeah. Uh, we versus, hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the hope. If they come yeah. back, they'll come back quicker at least. <laughs> and versus a place that uh, doesn't have a feeling and doesn't have a yeah. soul or uh, like a half, like a, a half assed idea. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the whole VR thing that we were talking about, you know, uh, where it's more like a, virtual concert you have like a headset on and there we were looking into it and it just seemed like this idea that was thrown there to kind of propagate up during this time because Mm -hmm. people can't go to shows but there was just no feeling and they were all arena rock shows and you don't really get that feeling like you do in the bottle or talia hall or but you can build the empty bottle right right well i mean honestly like you know if if this goes on for a long time, and I, I'm sure they're developing it now, like there, it does seem like there is something that could happen with that zone, and it, it'll be interesting to see if somebody really takes it and and makes this crazy world that everyone is excited to go yeah. to 
personally, I think, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it feels like a bummer to me. Like if that's where people start gravitating towards and more, more isolation and less uh, like IRL experiences. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, oh. I just feel like the, you would think that there's this point where like technology has become kind of in a point, cer- cer- like certainly toxic in our lives. Like we're addicted to our phones and we're addicted to looking at them. But I, as, as much as anybody, I'm addicted to my phone in this entire three months where it's like the only portal to information. I toss that thing across my room probably like five times a week. I'm like, nope, don't give a shit anymore. Like don't yeah. care what's happening in the world. So I don't, I feel like there's almost going to be like a, a pushback against that. Like people are going to like get offline when these things are done and be like, I'm going to go out and do things now, which is what, I mean, I'm hoping for. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, I want 120 decibels chucked at my ears. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. soon, you know? Oh, but I think that sentiment of throwing the phone across the room and oh, yeah. screen time yelling at you saying, Hey, asshole, oh get my off your gosh. phone. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that there's a certain point where people are going to begin to reject that. Yeah. Uh, in some way, just because. Yeah they're going to be sick and look sick of looking at their phone and they're going to look for something else. And, and also just like what you're saying with, you know, like 120 decibels and, and like actually feeling, you know, like seeing sun at Rockefeller chapel, like you can't recreate that at home. <laughs> no, yeah. like that shit rump, that it makes you want to shit your pants. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they hit the brown note. Yeah. They hit it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. You can't recreate that Rockefeller. Like even if you did VR Rockefeller Chapel with sun, it's not the same effect because like you said, it's that feeling here and just being surrounded by that community who gathered Everyone had to travel down to Hyde Park for that show. No yeah. one who went to that show is from that area. So not only are they seeing something new in a whole new environment, but they're in a whole new community too and kind of interacting with it in a way that they wouldn't yeah, if that show didn't so happen. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful and everything around it too in Hyde Park is yeah, just a just beautiful area. So there's I mean you could one could even make the argument that uh, applying that into a VR context actually undermines some of the authenticity yeah. of that uh, experience in some yeah. way. Yeah, I was thinking in my example, it's like I went and saw Ambient Church oh, yeah. down there, and cool. like it was like a fully like full sensory experience. Like there were visuals, there was the music, and like you're in this beautiful church. And I, I mean, I would I wouldn't watch that online. I wouldn't even give that oh. to the time of day online. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, and it would never translate. Like I remember, I, yeah. I remember taking photos of it for like our I Instagram, tried, yeah. and it's like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess that's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, was I high? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. It looks so cool that day. <laughs> I mean, how do you get a beer with someone in that context? Like, you find what if you find your stream boring? Are you? How do you yeah. go get a beer with your friend? <laughs> yeah, I got to get out of here for a second. Yeah, yeah. it's like a ten minute. I'll break be right back. Room. Going to the fridge. Yeah. Wait, you should go to your fridge too, yeah. and I'll go to mine. Right. Yeah, I I feel like this could be an advertisement for uh, Drizzly pretty easily. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of alcohol, let's uh, let's take a quick, uh, a a very short break to talk about the beer that we're going to drink. Yeah, I've been cheating and drinking. Uh, I I have also. I I, I, I just had to refill my cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, Uh uh, so. for the for the listeners that aren't aware, uh, Scorched Tundra is hosted at the Empty Bottle, um, typically every year, and sometimes we do uh, we do shows outside of the context of uh, Scorched Tundra, yeah, which is a lot of fun. Um, the festival has its origins in Scandinavia, in Sweden, where uh, the first edition was in 2011. Uh, we have brewed beers for that event uh, in Scandinavia as well. First. And what we're going to enjoy today is the last, as far as I'm aware, bottle of a beer that was brewed for Tundra 9, uh, which is called Endless Descent. Uh, actually, there were three beers that I made for that festival that year. Alexi, what did you do with it was the rest of, of them? Yeah. <laughs> this is the I last one. Go. Where yeah. did they go? It's all uh, gone. You were going to have it for a whole weekend at Empty Bottle, <laughs> yeah. and they're all gone now. We, we Quarantine, he's been busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been thirsty. <laughs> Um, so this is a Baltic Porter with uh, rye malt from Weirman Malsters in Germany. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, chocolate rye malt uh, that I wanted to feature in a Baltic Porter. Um, in this case, Gamma happened to have a Mexican lager yeast uh, that they were propagating that we were able to use for fermentation. 
Uh, Baltic Porter itself is a fun and interesting style because it has a lot of the characteristics of a stout, but has a really beautiful attenuation and drier crisp profile as a result mm-hmm. of the fermentation with lager yeast. So, yeah, originally this beer, the name was supposed to go with uh, Scorched Tundra 6 that we did at the Empty Bottle. <laughs> uh Endless, de- uh, Endless Descent being like a monolord, bong ripper uh, kind of uh, album title and song title play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a good name, though. Wanted yeah. to bring it back. Um, yes. So uh, since that, uh, you know, this is probably, I think, one of the better beers that was made as a result. And uh, obviously, you're not drinking this if you're listening. So screw you. But we're drinking this. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I was going to say, I, this is a very light porter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's aged out a little bit, The um, but the rye still has like a little bit of spice profile and the chocolate's yeah. very enjoyable. Ever present. Ever, Ever present. present. Yeah. <laughs> Endlessly present. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Descend <laughs> into the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. um, um, what's the name? Who's the artist that does all your stuff? So this was... Uh, uh, created by Axel Vidan, who was doing the artwork for Scorched Tundras until very recently. So, okay. with this uh, with this edition, there were since there were three beers and one piece of artwork, we chose vignettes, three different vignettes from the <laughs> artwork, and made labels out of them. Um, which was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a. You were, I think, Sam, you came out for yeah, all I of that, did. right? We did release parties in Stockholm and Gothenburg and Copenhagen at the better beer bars in those cities. And, and it was a, it was a good time for sure. Mm-hmm. And each bar kind of featured, you know, one over the other, but they all three were available, which was really cool. My favorite thing about this beer was how the art was separated for all the beers, but this one specifically geared towards the bottom of the poster, which had fish on it. And I just found it pretty funny because <laughs> it's a Baltic Porter, which is like the Baltic sea, but then you got like, endless descent there's just all this nautical kind of themation yeah. going around mm-hmm. love it yeah each of the each of the cities especially gothenburg being historically one of the biggest ports in europe uh but each of the cities copenhagen stockholm and gothenburg are very uh sea oriented cities in a lot of ways and i'll post the artwork of this online again for people to see but there's some very funny looking uh, fish at the bottom of this too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you all seen that Night on Earth documentary on Netflix? It just you, came out. You are just on a kick right now. What, what? what is that? <laughs> Night on I Earth. I mean, he works Night in the music Earth. industry. What else is he doing with his time? He's a film critic. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. What? what oh, is, it's, it's, uh, it's great. But they they have these cameras where they can capture. Like I'm not sure what kind of cameras they are, but they're like a new technology where they can uh, capture things at night really crisply. And there's an underwater one for, um, you know, like deep sea stuff with a lot of fishes like that. It's wild. It's I'm great. Watching, Highly recommend it. I'm terrified <laughs> of anything that deep. I don't want to be seeing Dude, it it's creeping sick. up on a camera. Like, it's just not my jam. Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Love it. Let's talk. Let's jump back into, uh, into music and uh, venues a little bit. Uh, Two organizations that we've seen uh, a lot on social media about, uh, and I'm not sure if these um, are supposed to be said letter by letter or uh, NIVA and civil. We say civil and NIVA, at mm-hmm. least, yeah. And NIVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, I, I, I mean, the connection may be obvious as to how you guys are connected with them, but uh, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with them or what the importance of them uh, are at the moment? Yeah, so Civil has actually been around for a couple of years now. Um, it's the Chicago Independent Venue League. Um, it was formed around the time that I believe it was like Sterling or something was trying to build Lincoln Yards and was going to give Live Nation an exclusive contract to like 10 to 15 venues that they were planning on opening up within the space anywhere between like 200 and like 7,000 cap or something. So civil has been around for a while. They did a lot of um, just awareness and advocacy um, for independent venues back then, specifically in Chicago. So when uh, COVID-19 happened uh, and what originally started as Independent Venue Week, which is an organization that kind of plans a week at somewhere around July. I don't. I never got to experience one because I hadn't been working at the time. But um, 
they would do kind of like help curate shows across the country that would all be under some umbrella of independent venue week to kind of shine a light on the independent venues that aren't owned by Live Nation or AEG and, you know, the the small people in the community who are kind of existing in their own ecosystem. Um, so they already had this network into the independent venues and they kind of just started planning calls for us and being like, let's talk, what's going on with you guys? What, how is it going in Arizona? How is it in Seattle? Like, what's happening? I mean, because at the beginning, we were all kind of just, you know, nobody knew. I mean, all of us in any industry didn't know how what was going to happen or how about this was going to be. I mean, I think it was like we lost a week of shows and then another week of shows. And it was like the, coming back after two weeks, it was like every day we were losing like another another week of shows. It was just kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, before Neva, we would just randomly reach out to our promoter friends and be like, what are you? What's yeah. going on over there? Like, are y'all are y'all as fucked as we are? Like, like this is crazy. Like everything's yeah. just going away. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say we we definitely have like a different like. Uh, Brent's really good friends with Marjorie Walker in Texas. I know a couple promoters from the agency side, but they kind of just took it under their, but like on, on them to like bring us all together in the space. And then out of that, um, Dana Frank, who owns first Avenue and a couple other rooms up in Minneapolis, uh, I believe Minneapolis and Milwaukee. I think she books them both. Um, she kind of was like, we need to be advocating for ourselves. Like this is going to be so, so bad for our industry specifically. we, I mean, we were, we closed, I think before the restaurants did and we don't know when we're going to reopen. So, um, she, they, through them, they formed the national independent venue uh, association and they've been kind of like a lobbying group that's been tapping into DC and also in our local governments and communities, uh, just advocating for us and trying to get, you know, more, um, aid from the government because, the way that PPP was set up doesn't really take into consideration a venue who's not going to be able to be open within the five months or whatever window it was, you know. Um, it's just a lot more different. Our industry is just going to come back a lot differently than a lot of other industries. So they've been doing a lot of good work with that, um, getting artists involved. So Yeah, the the amount of artists that have come out in support of mm -hmm. Eva is pretty wild. I mean, like it's, you know, people all the way to the top. I mean, yeah. It's, it's great. And the, the PPP thing especially is – it's important because, you know, I think originally the PPP loan was supposed to expire, I don't know, end of July or maybe end of June. Yeah. And if we have nothing to do, it's like, it's, 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 po it's almost pointless. It's like, well, why not, why not just have everybody, you know, be furloughed and be on unemployment and then we can use the PPP when we're back and actually doing shows when it actually helps to not have to pay wages directly and that we can pay it off as a loan. Cause yeah. right now it's like, okay, here's money. But like, I have nothing for you to do. Like, yeah. you know, here's a check. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Well, it affected the restaurant industry in much the totally. same way, you know, mm -hmm. it was there for them, but how do you distribute do you all it? that money if yeah. you only have a quarter of your staff, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, how important are these, uh, organizations aside from COVID in tackling behemoths like AEG and Live Nation and keeping the music industry alive on a smaller scale? Yeah. I think that, civil specifically because they were kind of combating live nation like uh toe-to-toe -to -toe back in the day when lincoln yards and i i mean i think that out of that lincoln or live nation backed out of the contract with lincoln yards is my understanding of it um it's kind yeah. of been i'm not sure the or like who who did what but yeah uh, from what yeah i think you're right that they're, that they're not they're not exclusive and I, i'm not yeah. sure what's happening with those venues but they, they definitely took the the parties involved took a step back and we're like okay we can't yeah. We can't like block out the rest yeah, of the cause, city. Yeah, because essentially it's like, you know, when you let Live Nation have access to and exclusive control over all these rooms that are all these sizes that overlap with our size rooms, what you're doing is you're basically creating a monopoly because the point of having multiple rooms within one company going from Empty Bottle to Empty Bottle Presents to Thalia Hall is that you get to stay within the promoters who have worked with you, have backed you up from day one, you know? And so if Live Nation gets these artists at the get-go when they're just starting, like, what chance do we have to ever book anybody because Live Nation can, you know, offer you full tour deals at all their arenas one day and all these other things. They can probably take in some of your merch. I think Live Nation was doing some of that too. Like it it, it really would have shut out all the independent venues in the city um, and just made it so, so much harder for us to even exist with nationally touring bands because Live Nation could just put together an entire tour across the entire country for you. Like we can only do Chicago and maybe a couple markets around us, but... So I think in that regard, civil really 
worked well. Um, as far as Neva is concerned, I think that at this moment in time, at least from what I've seen from the organization, like it is really a just about survival right now. It we're not we're not duking it out with AEG. We're not duking it out with Live Nation in some sad way. They're in the same boat as us. Like AEG was just doing furloughs. I mean, they held out for a long time, but they just did them, and so it's like we're all hurting. So it's not like us against you in this particular moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it will get contentious as this goes on, and more independent venues do have to shutter and close their doors. Um, that might be a different thing, but as of now, it's it's really not about Live Nation AG, Empty Bottle, Empty Ball Presents, Lincoln Hall, Shubas. You know, it's about us all being like, we need to survive. Definitely. I think, too, though, it's important for bands, uh, for them, that independent venues like you guys exist because you give those bands chances that people like Live Nation and AEG don't. Oh, yeah. And that's very important from a band out of the get-go when they're just Mm -hmm. starting because no band is just going to get a Live Nation offer, especially even if they're doing a one-off show in their hometown. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost impossible. So it's important for venues like you guys to exist so they have that at least a footing in the door and can gain quote unquote experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also nice for like not Neva exists so that there is a reference point to see what venues are independent. Cause I mean, a lot of people, mm, yeah. you know, you don't even know who owns these places and, and where they're coming from. And so like, Oh, so Neva is all these spots. Like I want to book shows in all these places. Like totally. they're homies. Like I don't, you know, yeah. You know. So it's, it's nice in that regard. And also, just opening the line of communication because, you know, agencies, these huge agencies, they have, they're talking to people, they're talking to each other across the country. Whereas promoters were, you know, we, we talk to our friends in other cities here and there, but there's no, there's not the same level of communication nationally. And so at least this way we can be more in touch and have more of a unified front of like, Oh, these are issues that are affecting all of us. And it's, it's been eye opening knowing like, Oh, we're all going through the same, Totally. We all have somewhat versions of the same story, you know, like, I mean, Chicago, New York, LA are a little bit different than, you know, what's going on in, mm-hmm. you know, some of these other cities, but it, it, at the heart of it, it's same struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Have we read, uh, well, we looked a little, uh, speaking of Live Nation and larger, uh, and some larger promoters, or in that case, kind of con- conglomerates in a way, uh, they've posted in some way a response to everything that's happening or at least what they're going <laughs> the to do. Exact it's a wrong response. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we don't have to get into the strong details, but I definitely recommend listeners check it out for their own. Billboard mm-hmm. posted something mm-hmm. and we will uh, I'll post something the as de- well about it's that. Doctor if it's not Rolling amended Stone. between now and then. Yeah, I was gonna say the Rolling Stone article. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I think that's why is just- that the wrong response? I just, I mean, no, in those terms, I get what they're trying to do. Like, I have also been really annoyed lately that any agent can hit me up and be like, show's not happening. Like, that's not how our business works. We have contracts. We have deposits. Like, you know, it's it's bigger than that. But, I mean, this is obviously, like, desperate times call for desperate measures. We, we are understanding to the fact that, like, people don't want to go out on the road and can't go out on the road and put their health and safety at risk and also hundreds of other people. But, I mean, the things that they're doing, like – charging the artists for canceling and things like that. I, I honestly think they're just they're just pushing people into our arms, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was really psyched to see it. Yeah, right? <laughs> You're like, Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, you know, the, the, the promoter-agent relationship is, is it's unique because it, it is combative in a way, but also at the same time, when all the shit hit the fan, it was really nice to see that at the end of the day, we just want to make shows happen and we want to do what what's best for the city and the artists. And so in the, over the last couple of months, it's been nice to kind of come together and put the sort of caddy stuff aside and be like, okay, what, what can we do to like make sure this show still happens? Like how can we adjust things to make it so that nobody's like getting destroyed by this deal? Yeah. And so by them coming out and putting that information out there, it, it is, you know, like setting a precedent, which they, uh, you know, th- they're, they're a massive company. They, they, they have to mm-hmm. do something, but it, it, it is somewhat, it does feel a little bit aggressive in it. And it, I like to think of our relationships with agents and managers as being a, a collaboration. Like, sure. We'll, we'll butt heads over an offer or like what makes sense to them and what makes sense to us. But like right now, more than ever, it's kind of like, okay, we need to, we need to get together and make sure these, this can all happen and that you don't bury us. Cause like, yeah. And, and in some fashion, they're saying that, but it's just it's just a more aggressive approach. 
I also want to note that like coming from the agency side, like I think that Chicago might be the only major city that like has almost exclusively independent venues up until like 500, 800, 900 even. And then Live Nation takes over in the bigger rooms. But in a lot of the smaller markets in the country, you don't see that. Live Nation is the only one with those rooms. They have bought them all up. And so they've created the system where you almost have to go with them. And then they entice you by being like, well, let's just take you all the way. We are different in Chicago specifically because we are a city of five to 10 independent venues that aren't affiliated with Live Nation at all. So like we are all getting together and working together. But I just, I think that some like, in some cities, it'll just have to be that. But for us, people in who want to come to Chicago, they have another option. They have multiple different options than going with Live Nation venues or bringing Live Nation into the room. I've worked with Live Nation on shows. They make shitty deals. They have shitty deposit policies. Like, nobody really likes working with Live Nation. <laughs> it's just a necessary evil because they own the rooms. They have right. the exclusive contracts to book the rooms. So I think that that is kind of pushing the people away from them. And I also think that during this time of COVID and like with the major corporations, I think it's going to kind of go back into more of an independent lane of doing things. Like some of the agencies are downsizing and who knows when they're going to come back, but people are, those agents still book bands. Those bands are still going to want to tour. So I think that in general, it's like we're moving into a more independent driven like system coming up. It's going to have to survive COVID. It's like per the survival of COVID, but I think that that's the direction that it feels like things are heading. Does there ever get to a point where a company like Live Nation sees that they see the bottom line and they realize that, hey, we need to get rid of some assets and maybe these smaller venues are places that they get rid of? You don't I think that's the other way? Yeah. I, I feel like they're, it, it, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But you think they're going to In my mind, I'm like, oh, they're going to buy these, they're going to buy venues. these venues. Mm hmm. Do you just see the live touring market then switching to major city hubs that don't uh, affiliate with Live Nation? Well, or? I think that it's just Chicago because, I mean, at least in the time that I worked in the agency, like a lot of major venues in L.A. discreetly went Live Nation. And, I mean, I think Detroit's mostly become AG and, like, New York is kind of, they have Live Nation, but they still have a pretty strong independent venue, like, network that exists there. Um, so I think for us, like... I don't know. I think Chicago's just all of our venues are really proud of their history and where they come from. So I don't think they're ever going to go to Live Nation anytime soon. But I also don't know what's going on with those venues. Yeah, and as, as far as touring, I, I you know, I, I don't I don't think people would adjust their routings. Mm -hmm. I think they'd still hit this. Like it's it's more so based on how how passionate uh, music fans are in these cities. Like it, yeah. whether they're going to come out to shows, and I think people will still book shows wherever there's people going. It, like yeah. it, it doesn't matter if it's who owns the if it's Live Nation. It's yeah. like, okay, if Live Nation owns this place, you know, in Oklahoma or something, like I'll also go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, how, uh, if at all, so uh, you have shows that you've had to cancel and mm -hmm. move. And cancel um, and, and yeah. cancel yeah. and yeah. cancel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. yeah we've already I've rebooked this tour three times. <laughs> yeah. We've lived through summer, fall, spring, and now we're into summer again. And, yeah. Yeah. and now we're in summer yeah. again. And yeah, I mean, I think that people have seen festivals get moved a year ahead. And uh, yeah, smart. How do, I mean, how does that look or feel as someone that actually is on the end of booking these things and arranging these things? I think. Uh, in regards to festivals, that feels completely correct. And even next year, I mean, can you imagine, like, when are we ever going to be able to have 70,000 people in one spot again? You know, it's, it's, it's an, you don't even, I didn't even think about like how big these festivals I were, I was going to were, how many people I was coming into contact with. And now I see that number and I'm just like, Oh, no way. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. am I going to do that? But, um, I think that for touring, I haven't seen much come in for fall anymore like I, I think that it's basically like we're just rebooking these shows that people had tours that were already planning but then people who are putting out music or like would have had a normal tour coming up in spring of 2021 like I, I feel like in my end those people are kind of just like we're gonna wait a second because they've also been able to like stall their record releases and like kind of shift their timelines around but for these people who like had everything in the pipeline I think it's just literally like reschedule oh shit another three months reschedule so yeah and you know the you know, we, we, we exist with a, like a somewhat of an, a, an unspoken rule book of how to book shows, you know, in the, in the industry. And that, 
it's kind of been like not necessarily getting thrown out the window, but it them it's been bending. I mean, like people uh. people like holding. We'll have a confirmed show in fall, mm-hmm. this, and the same show confirmed in spring. Yeah, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we'll just like see how this plays out, and we're like, we're like, yep, we'll do that for you, but this is fucking Fucked. weird. Yeah, like, it's so like weird. How, how are we supposed to operate our calendar? But at the same time, you, we really want these shows to happen, and yeah, and like Molly's saying, like there's confirmed shows in the spring that people are not rushing to put them on sale or announce no, them. Uh-uh. We're just mm-hmm. waiting until mm-hmm. they move to summer or move to fall. Like my, like Thalia, you know, the, the, cause of the size of the room that, that venue gets booked out further. Mm-hmm. Like we're, I, I've already got, you know, we, we've got multiple shows booked in fall of 2021. I have holds for 2022. Like <sighs> it's, I'm like, it feels like we're running a performing arts center or something. Like oh that. yeah. Like, PACs <laughs> are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think my furthest out is like, no, somebody asked me for like September of next year today. And I was just like, go away. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk to you right now. Yeah. I mean, I get their fear though. You look at a lot of campuses mm-hmm. uh, and universities and a lot of them are taking the approach of, okay, we'll start fall 2020 in person. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll reapproach yeah. in July. But then there's a lot of calls for once Thanksgiving break hits, the rest of your semester's online, and then we'll probably do the beginning of that following semester also. So there's just a and lot of... you know, of, who's going to want to go to college under that? Like, I would hate no. to be a senior this year mm-hmm. where, like, my whole end of high school was completely eviscerated. Oh, and my then, brother's then high school was just totally destroyed. I was going to say, and then you go, you're paying all this money to take an online class like no thank you i would drop out and go to community college yeah, i'd get a hobby <laughs> yeah right i'd be like this is gap year is in effect yeah. i'm not doing anything it's an interesting time we'll see yeah i think they are kind of you know whatever they're gonna do you'll yeah. see a very similar kind yeah. of yeah and i don't fault the people who are being overly cautious in fact no. i'm like good but i do i remember feeling when this was all going down and there was kind of this like mad scramble of things and people were just rushing to summer rushing to fall i was like we're gonna have to do this work again i just feel it in my bones that nothing is gonna happen until then like we're gonna be rebooking the show for the rest of my fucking life like yeah 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 so i i definitely don't am not mad at artists who are like this seems unsafe and i mean like again when you think about it when you're booking a tour it's not just chicago you're playing you're playing a whole fucking country it's the only way to make money on a tour and how are you going to do that if every state is in a various level of reopening? Yeah, you don't want to send a band out. And, you know, even yeah. getting inquiries for for like for foreign bands in the spring of 2020, I'm like, ah, are you, gonna are you sure you want to be like, <laughs> you should probably go you to fall. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole nother hurdle. Yeah, You're not only talking to country. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and does your visa, it, yeah. Does yeah. Your visa oh, extend? I, I feel because, so yeah. sorry for the artists who have visas this year, like one year performance visas who are yeah. probably just going to, or probably get denied. I, I saw there was an article that like a lot of work visas are now being denied, which is yeah, now just we, another, <laughs> just another thing. But and that came out today, like that, you know, we might not, or Americans might not be able to go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're t- everybody's yep. turning their back on us. They're like, the fuck, <laughs> yeah. you ain't allowed over I here. Would I, I would, would too. I would too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd kick them out. Well, and that's unfortunate because in the end, that cost of that visa, which is rather expensive It's for like $3,200, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I know many bands from Sweden have told me they have to travel from wherever it is that they live to the capital, yeah. and they have to uh-huh. do interviews. Yeah, the ambassadors, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a... It's a really expensive and involved process for them. And in the end, that cost has to be absorbed somehow. And that's uh, absorbed through touring. uh, Yeah. The the selling merch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the venues have to pay for that in some way too, in the, through the fees. Mm -hmm. And so it's, how does that, uh, so then the venues and the bookers are both in very interesting positions because um, you're both at whim to the same uh, to the same forces in some way, which yeah. is in some cases a little bit different than how things are normally, right? Yeah, I mean it. it it's it very much uh, makes everything much more way more transparent mm-hmm. because there there's there previously there's somewhat of a veil of what's happening on each side that uh, just to kind of in order to do business and keep things moving along and, and protect. Cause I mean, there is a, neg- a negotiation happening. So you don't want to show everyone all, all your cards. Whereas now it's just like, like here's, here's everything. Yeah. And, and, and like, let, like I was saying before, it's like, let's see how we can make this, this work. Cause like, yeah, the, the forces at play, you know, they, if let's say somebody, if, if the city says like, for instance, when, you know, the, the day that 
like at 5 p.m. on March 12th when Pritzker was like, okay, we're shutting down the state. Like we had Ohm at Garfield Park Conservatory yeah. the next day. Yeah. And we were like oh, we're aware. Yeah. <laughs> we're very aware. <laughs> we were, we were, Do not forget. Yeah. We, we, we were like getting supplies ready. And we're, like, and we're like, okay, let's wait until five o'clock for this thing. And, and, and we're like, okay, yep. It, it like it's, and like I, that was one of the most, that was one of the most hectic days of oh my, yes. Of my, it was. I wasn't insane. even. I was out of town, but yeah. Like uh, being on two phones, like, like, oh my god, like what's happening? And like trying to figure out what's going on with the expenses. And then you know, if if an agent or a band was not, if it, if it wasn't like a pandemic and they wanted to be a dick, they they just be like, well, you owe us the deposit on the show because you're not able to make the show happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, and if if somebody, if these agencies were to collect these deposits on all these shows that could happen in some capacity they would just sink the promoters and they would yeah. have and they'd have nowhere to go yeah mm-hmm. and, and, yeah or, or just go to live nation which thanks to neva and just reminding folks that the heartbeat of the music industry is these independent venues yeah yeah and i think i mean live nation has very like i said deposit policies policies like if you have a guarantee less than ten thousand, they don't give you a deposit um, so like for smaller bands that are playing our size venues, it's like, they're not even going to get the money to even start the tour to like rent the van to pay for the flights and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really nice that we have this, like, everybody's just in it together. Like we're all wanting this to survive. The agencies are dependent on us. We're dependent on the agencies. So we're all just kind of like, come on, man, we got this. <laughs> I, I feel like I swear to God, if I see one more person write, hope you're safe and sane in an yeah. email. Like, it's just like everybody's being so much nicer than like <laughs> they ever have. And I'm like, yeah. you've never emailed me. Yeah, I've, 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 it's funny because <laughs> I, I have been wanting sometimes to be like, can we just go back to being dicks to each yeah. other? Like, it's kind of, it's kind of, it. <laughs> it's kind of easier. <laughs> it feels like a very interesting moment where everyone's kind of slugging through the same, uh, the same Yeah, we're all store. going through the same trash. And yeah. it's, it's put everyone on a little bit more of a level playing field, which is, yeah. uh, which is like more than fair, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that we can get out of this is that we are really stronger when we're all together uh, sure. in the face of whatever the uh, larger kind of scenario that is in opposition to our goals. So in some cases, it's. Uh, larger, uh, larger firms like Live Nation or uh, larger uh, conglomerations that uh, can literally buy you out of business. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that we do want to find a silver lining in some way, and Definitely. this is uh, this is one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Drinking more. That was a beer. What? Uh, so. What should people be doing uh, to support? Uh, what can people do? What can listeners do to support uh, independent venues? To support the people that uh, that are a part of the independent scene? What are some things that you two uh, recommend? Um, buying merch. I mean, honestly, yeah, that's that's the, qu- that's the quickest way right now. Um, you know, checking out what they have what they have online. You know, we've we've been pulling out a lot of old posters and getting them mm-hmm. up. Uh, doing reprints of popular shirts, uh, like for instance, Empty Bottle and Thalia Hall have new kind of colorways coming out of popular shirts we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I imagine almost every venue has a GoFundMe still running. Yeah. Um, and just if you have if you have the means, donating to the uh, the GoFundMe, and then also if you're not, you know, I, I understand people are a lot of people are broke. Uh, so if you if you can't support financially even just resharing these things and just mm-hmm. saying like oh man i love this venue or i you know i'm really into this that or the other whether it's content or the gofundme or the merch page just broadcasting it to people who might have money to help support i mean that's that's kind of yeah kind of it yeah that's really that's really all we got going yeah. on right now. oh no i'm sorry <laughs> also paying attention to neva and, and yes there, there for are, sure there are call there are calls often, to action yeah, yeah. Yeah, which involve you know um, emailing uh, your Congress people, you know, really trying to like be like, hey, this is my experience at this venue and stuff like that, making them kind of more than just a blanket kind of post or whatever that you're sending to people. Um, yeah, Neva is really important. Go and follow Nevo. I think we have a Save Our Stages is the campaign that we're like under right now. So where uh, where can people find both of you uh, on social media if they wanna 
Ooh, interact with okay. you in the future if you, yeah. if you would like them to interact with yes. you. Yes, so my Instagram is private, but it's mostly just to like weed people out of things. Yeah. I'm a private person. I don't really post that much on my Instagram, but if they want to, they can reach out. Um, my Instagram name is Vulgar Lush. <laughs> and uh, if not, they can always email me at molly at emptybottle.com. I am checking it, obviously, every day and being saddened by the lack of emails that are actually coming to me. So it's there. Send me an email. Send me a link. I'll listen to it. I swear it'll be a nice break in my day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I, I, I guess my, my Instagram is open, but I, I don't really like, uh, like, what's it called? Try to cultivate followers. But yeah. if somebody does want to see, I'm, 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 I'm my name, it's just I'm Brent Heil. Um, but yeah, my email is Brent to emptybottle.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, mostly just follow the Empty Bottle socials. I, we're, we're doing a lot of, like, just making people aware of the programming we have um, and also pushing the Neva efforts and Save Our Stages campaign and stuff like that. Yeah, and there will be um, some more online programming coming from Thalia Hall in the, in the coming in the coming weeks and months, so um, definitely pay attention to Thalia Hall and mm-hmm. some of the initiatives they're doing. Just follow all of our venues. We're all yeah. super cool. Like, yeah, just pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> pay attention. Just pay attention while you're going through your inst- ten thousand Instagram stories. Pay attention yeah. and save your money for all the shows that are coming oh, in autumn yeah. 2021. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, show, shows are going to be starting to go back on sale. Like we're announcing a show tomorrow, and I'm like, holy shit, an actual performance in person. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, Athalia, you are? Athalia. I was going to say, we aren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next week we this are. Is like, I was a- like, this is like <laughs> April of 2021. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be, throughout the summer, I think we'll see more announcements as things become more clear. So that's where you'll kind of see. And also just go to our website. We have a tab on the Empty Bottle website with all the music-friendly distancing programming. It's where it all lives. So you can go and check out, I don't know, like Alexi's interview and playlist. You can yeah. go there and listen to it. You listen to lots of uh, bands that have played Scorch Tundra in the past. <laughs> yeah, do but, it. And lots of great... Uh, what else are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I was going to say about the music-friendly distancing is that's the one part of the empty bottle that no one's seen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... Boy, is it not much to look at. Yeah. <laughs> I love it up there. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we would have, uh, we'd have happy hour Friday, happy hour cocktails We did that once when I in the fall, and you weren't oh. even there. Oh, well, we used to do it a lot before you got there. Oh, is it me? Is yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh, uh, really? Molly's your uh, she, there, She's afraid of the ladder anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can look forward to music-friendly cocktailing on the roof yeah. of the empty mm-hmm. bottle anytime soon. And hopefully some music-friendly dancing after that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And, oh, uh, yeah, I guess we have to make a call on whether we're going to do Music Frozen dancing this year. Or in you haven't thought about that yet? I don't That think legitimately was like the, the, the thing that I was like, that might be our first show back is Music it might. Frozen dancing. Yeah. yeah. We'll Good see. luck. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about music, uh, music Frozen dancing is that uh, one of the original ideas. What's not for funny about. <laughs> I think, uh, we got rid of the barrel fires, which was the funniest part. <laughs> but we added penguin costumes yes. this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, music, uh, music, frozen dancing. For those of you that haven't partaken or been, uh, is probably one of the coolest events in Chicago as far as. Literally. In, I would agree. Outdoor, that I'm biased. An, out, an outdoor event in uh, February. It's quite chill. Yeah, yeah, it's quite chill. Super chill. <laughs> and originally, Scorch Tundra was uh, in Sweden. Uh, it was originally between Christmas and New Year's, and then it moved to the winter solstice. And gotcha. the hope was one day for it to actually be outside at that time of year. Oh my and gosh. so I've, in particular, always admired Music Frozen Dancing uh, yeah. as the example of, hey, if they can do it in Chicago... It can be done Dude, in, a, in a much easier, more like Atlantic and <laughs> yeah. than Chicago. Every, every year, I'm like, okay, like this is the last. Like, it, well, I, I don't say so, <laughs> so but, but, but I'm like, it, we're gonna get screwed one of these years. Like, I, I kind of have like an un, like a, a personal thing of like, okay, if it's under ten degrees, like I don't think we're gonna do it. Well, this but year was so warm. It's yeah, been, this it's year been last warm. year was warm. It's been warm so many years. years. That it, it's, that it's, it's, there was it's one odd. where it was like I was wearing shorts at yes. Music Frozen <laughs> yeah. Dancing. Like it was, I think it was Meat Wave was playing it. Uh huh. Yeah. And so it was a couple years ago. But man, I was like, what the fuck? Well, yeah. You know, you're from the Midwest when. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, it's 45. Yeah, Take shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, Brent, always a pleasure. Yeah, Same thanks to you. so much. This is yeah. great.
Thanks awesome. to both of you for coming. Yeah, yeah thank nice, you so much. Nice to be able to hang out, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll look forward to uh, perhaps some Tundra in the future as well. Yep. Yes, absolutely. That was Molly Mobley and Brent uh, Heil of the Empty Bottle, Talia Hall and Empty Bottle Presents. Thanks to them for joining. And thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we both hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you truly support the music industry and what we kind of talked about today, you can find those people at the uh, social media tags that they presented. And of course, any donations you can send towards Empty Bottle or Talia Hall or Live on 16, I believe is their... Uh, yeah, 16 on center 16 or the on venues, center. definitely. Cool, yeah. Go and support them. Live music needs your support more now than ever. Just be active and support live music. Don't just stream, buy. Ooh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> you can find me, uh, Alexi, at... Uh, Scorch Tundra. Definitely keep an eye out there for any developments regarding this podcast or the festival going forward. As you know, the Empty Bottle is a big supporter and a host of Scorch Tundra here, so we are all linked in a lot of ways, but you can find anything Scorch Tundra or Heavy Hops related at uh, Scorch Tundra, and for Heavy Hops, you can find uh, at Heavy underscore Hops. Where can they find you, Sam? Well, I am a Sam at C-A-N-G-E on the Instagram. Give me a follow. That's about all I got to say. Sick. Sick. Sick.